Hello, Steve. Is this Dan Landrum? It is, and it's good to have you back. We uh, we left you out last week because of Kentucky Music Week. It was bittersweet for me. The, the Not being involved? Yeah, I wanted to be involved, but then at the same time, I didn't want to be involved. Hmm. Um, Those festivals are busy. Golly. Listen... This was a great Kentucky Music Week, but it why was, was that? So it was really great for me too. But I collapsed this weekend oh when we got man. home. Did you? It's not like we're suffering a third world tragedy or something. But no, it's these a, are first world issues. But yeah. for a spoiled, uh, privileged person like myself living in this really great country, uh, just I was lost the whole time. Uh, and I thought, am I, did, am I in the early yeah, what was stages of some mental disease or something? You, you, you were confused a few times. So this was the best one. So I, I was going to be on time for the first class, you know, Monday morning, first class for me. It, we, we're dealing, you know, it's, I, we were dealing with a large facility with multiple levels. Um, and so at one point I was in the hall and I realized I have no idea where I'm at. I thought I did. I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. And so I just stood there for a minute, and then I thought, come on, boy. <laughs> you cannot let this be where you break down. And so I I got some stuff out of my bag, and I was just staring at the papers. I felt like I was in a restaurant looking at one of those big menus, and, and I'm looking at the pictures, but I just can't seem to read anything. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came a hero. It was uh, a student. <laughs> Um, from one of my cl- from that particular class, had actually come looking for me, and um, <laughs> and all she they did she put lost. her hand on my back and she just said, "Come on, honey," <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but honestly, you know, I wasn't cracking up, but it was felt like the first day of school when you're trying to find all the rooms. Yeah, she was probably a kindergarten teacher and saw that look in your eyes and <laughs> wanted to get you before you cried. But it, you know, but then by the third day, I knew where I was going for the most part, and um, I'm thankful for the exercise, right? Yeah, I track it. I've got a, a device on my wrist that tracks it, and I doubled my exercise, expected exercise, every day last wow. week. Wow! <clears throat> One day, I walked five miles at Kentucky Music Week. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> That's amazing. And that was just that was just <clears throat> that's crazy. I guess I've got that on my phone. I need to see how many miles I walked. Yeah. Mine's going to say something like, although you did walk a total of 22 miles in the week, you're being, uh, we're, we're removing 10 of those for a poor attitude about all the walking. You know, I don't know. <laughs> now, it was a great facility. and It really was. We don't, want, we don't want this to be all Kentucky Music Week all the time, but what for some reason now? that one was, it was just super fun. And I came... I came from a festival in Coshocton prior to that, which was also uh, just well-run in one facility. <clears throat> we, you do as many or probably more festivals than I do a year, and sometimes it's physically tough because we're in the summer, and some of the festivals that we love, like Augusta uh, Music Heritage Festival. Where is that one? Is it somewhere up in Ohio? Elkins, West Virginia. Elkins, West Virginia. That's right. The fest, the entire festival is actually in an abandoned coal mine shaft. 
And you have to climb. You have to climb all the way up to the next level. No, that's a good. That's a good one. Look, here's the thing. This is wonderful festival, uh, but it's on a big college campus that's all spread out. That's my point. And you have to walk up hills and just long ways, carrying lots of stuff. So, I really know not to complain because here's the deal. There's lots of people that are so I feel so close to. It's absolutely like family. It is family. There's um. I love to teach. Um, I like to get up there and perform the jams. I have a blast at that stuff. Um, and so I know I really, nobody wants to hear me say I was tired. I mean, I'm incredibly blessed to be there at all, but just let me say anyway, man, was I tired when I got back, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think I've recovered, um, I think I've recovered. It just takes like two or three days. But I was in some of the jams, and I thought, these people, you know, you want to go to bed early. I kept thinking, if I go to bed at 9.30, I can get up at 5, I can get a bunch of work done the next morning. But you're sitting there in the jam, and you're thinking, I don't know how many times I'm going to get to be with this particular group of people, you know? And um, I just didn't want to leave each night. And um, so I thought, you know what, just... Just live while you can live. So I'm, I had a good week. How do you, when you're in charge of a slow jam with a bunch of true beginners, how do you do it? A slow jam? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm pretty opinionated today. I feel pretty darn opinionated. I think that, um, I think what's often called a slow jam is actually a medium jam. Because when I do what I think is a slow jam, um, the better players get frustrated. And my point is, hey, if you're a better player and you're not frustrated with the tempo here, you're pr- this probably isn't a slow jam. I want a slow jam to be slow enough that it's pretty much not stressing out the newer jammers. And um, so I guess I, I think of it as like there's the turtle jam, there's the medium jam, there's the regular jam. But what I like to do, I start off... And I'm, when I say slow, I mean like twinkle, twinkle. And I'm looking for, let's do three, at least three songs you've heard your whole life. Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. We're probably going to do, you know, that, um, not Mary Had a Little Lamb, but we're probably going to do When the Saints Go Marching In, You Are My Sunshine, This Land Is Your Land. And then we're probably going to do Bob and Cabbage, and we're going to do Old Joe Clark, <clears throat> Wildwood Flower. No, I would wait Is that on too that hard? a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. there's big intervals. Um, it's probably easier in the Hammer Dulcimer, maybe because you're not doing it all in a one long line, I guess. But um, well, I've, I've never led a Hammer Dulcimer only slow jam. I was. I, I led the slow jam at Coshocton, uh, and that was about the most fun. I generally have the most fun doing slow jams because you do get to stop, and you see people that are struggling. And even though I don't play Mountain Dulcimer much, if we're doing Twinkle Twinkle, I could go over and show somebody what they need to do on a Mountain Dulcimer or a Hammer Dulcimer. And it's fun to to feel that energy, even though it's slow, <laughs> Where everybody's playing together and they're starting to have a good time, I feel like you've really accomplished something. Then, when 
when everyone is participating. What I would want from you, if, if I was in a slow jam, like let's say a turtle jam, and I had a hammer dulcimer in front of me and I was standing right beside you, I would love it if you somehow just for a little bit did a one-hand version of the tune that was mostly quarter notes and half notes where you, you really boiled it down and just didn't do any filler or anything. Now, I'm sure that wouldn't be real fun for you, but I'm just saying selfishly on a hammer dulcimer, I'd want to be kind of watching you and, and just keep it kind simple. Of, I think it's a bit different on a hammered than on a lap dulcimer because <clears throat> generally what I do when I'm leading a slow jam is if there's anybody else there who plays hammer dulcimer and knows these things, I don't play. I walk around and help people. Because uh, looking at one hammer dulcimer from somebody else's, their, their layouts are sometimes different, and it's harder to read than a mountain dulcimer. I think hammer dulcimer players in general are harder to read than mountain dulcimer players. Well, we that's part of the training. Yes. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. That's a, one of the rudiments. <laughs> Be aloof. But I, I think here's something I see in a jam. Um, and I, you know, I did a lot of this. I've done it on other instruments. But let's say you're in a jam, and you're you're overwhelmed. You're wondering if you should be there. You're wondering if you should be playing dulcimer at all. You're thinking, "Wow, this is way too fast. These people are just showing off." I don't know what you're thinking, but here's what I think you should be thinking. How's this for opinionated? I think you look for the better strummers in the room. You don't worry about fretting anything. You don't even have to make a sound. Just see if you can move your strumming hand at the same rate, you know, as as some of the other people. Watch how different good players use their right hand. And then take a break. Put your right hand at your side. Um, you're going to be fretting now. But you're not going to look at your hand because you're not even strumming. It doesn't even matter if you're not on the fret you think you're on. Just pick out some of the better players, maybe the ones that aren't as fancy, but maybe somebody who's solid, and you just stare at their hand like a hawk. And when they go up high, your fretting hand goes up high. When they're somewhere in the vicinity of two, you go in the vicinity of two. When they're up around nine, you go up around nine. It's like, here's the thing about push-ups. <laughs> I can't hardly do any push-ups. And my friend Russ said, try this. He said, you know, uh, just... Just pivot at the knee so you're not, you're not doing a push-up off of your toes. You're doing it off of your knee. Well, I could do a lot of push-ups, right? I think when you're in a jam, I hope that was clear me being very non-athletic. When you're in a jam, some people think, well, if they can't do everything, they're just going to throw their hands up. I think just, just practicing strumming at the rate of the better players and getting your fretting hand in the general vicinity of the right notes, I think that's a lot. And just hearing the thing and just being there, you know? Agreed. <laughs> I think there's social events. And at social events, the idea is to be social and have a good time. <clears throat> but you do always have show-offs, and I don't want to be that person. I don't know. Uh, you think there's show-offs there? Well, yeah, I'm, but be just at no larger quantity than in life in general. You know, it's just that there are people who tend to want to show off. and uh, Yeah, there are people who want to 
who want to be really good and have other people see they're really good, and that's fine. And maybe if they are whatever really good is at that point, the slow jams or the turtle jams aren't the place where they ought to be. You know, there's all kinds of different jams. At, uh, <clears throat> at the Everett Festival, the big one coming up in a couple of weeks, I will probably put together a groovy jam. Now, that one's totally different from a slow jam or a medium or a fast jam. I love biscuits <clears throat> the, and gravy. You're right in wanting to do this. They don't up north. You order gravy, you get like a half a teaspoonful. Yeah, I think you're 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 missing in uh, you're misunderstanding, mis misunderstanding, Mister Understanding to you, buddy. Okay, you grew a groovy jam <clears throat> where we basically create some kind of a chord pattern and then let people. And this will be mostly hammer dulcimers, but I think we had a hurdy gurdy last time, and maybe a mound dulcimer in there too, and, and a mandolin. It's hard for a guitar player to participate in our groovy jams because guitar players have fun often by accompanying dulcimer players by being free. You know, like in Irish music where you can do more chords than you can like in old-time music because <clears throat> people are more dependent on the chord structure. But you can't in a groovy jam. you got to be willing to just lay down a groove so that people can do solos over the top I of like it. that idea. And I feel, I feel like that is mostly about showing off. Because really? we go around, well, we want you want to go around and let people do things. But I agree. For instance, if I'm watching, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a, another fine dulcimer play, player who does something that I don't know how they did that. I want to try to imitate it. So it's, I think that's cool too. You know, we're imitating each other and learning from each other in those kinds of jams. Well, do, you do know, mountain dulcimers do that. Well, the sh I. The show-off idea is what, like, I think this is what I remember feeling early on, absolutely early on when I didn't know how to jam. I saw a bunch of people having fun, and it reminded me of something like there's a big soccer game going on, and I'd like to be out there running and having fun, but I don't know how to play soccer at all, and I'm out of shape. And when I first was around the jams, I thought, man, I just want to play ball. I didn't have this desire to be the best. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be the best, but initially I just wanted to join in, you know? And I think that now that I've gotten better, yes, there's a part of me that enjoys being one of the better soccer players on the field, absolutely. But that's really the majority of the reason I'm there is to have fun and to be with my friends and to go into that mental and physical space where I feel really good afterwards and during. And, but I think when we talk about show off, we ought to, there's a difference between, you know, I don't know. I think there's a difference between what most people do and somebody's in an extreme show off. I'd really like to define show off because to me, when I see Doc Watson play, He's showing off in that he's very discreet and doesn't have to do a, you know anything fancy in order to be Doc Watson. Yeah, I don't think that's showing an, off. Well, he probably takes pride in the fact that he plays a certain way and, and right. does and is tasteful and does a great job. That's why I say I'd like to. How would you define showing off? What's that mean to you? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Dan. I think that a show off. This is just me making up stuff, but it's almost like the reason this is a big deal is so many beginners 
get mad and just say, I'm not going to join in. This is a bunch of show offs, you know. Um, so that's why I'm a little sensitive to it. But I think somebody who's showing off, they're kind of going a little bit too far. They're not really being inclusive. They're kind of selfish in the way they're going about it. And they don't really take turns. You know, it's kind of a, it's somebody who doesn't play nice is, is the way I'm thinking about it. But, um, you know, if 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 a if a kid is at a baseball game, and and uh, one of these one of these big ball players throws a ball way up in the air and catches it and then gives it to the kid, I don't think that's showing off. He's that that's something different to me. I I just looked it up. Oh the, boy! So here's a definition: a person who acts pretentiously or who publicly parades themselves. They're possessions or their accomplishments synonyms are exhibitionist extrovert poser peacock self-publicist braggart etc wow so let's talk about pretentious what does that mean (laughs) let's look up pretentious (laughs) (laughs) i think uh, i i could define it in my way but that would be pretentious let's get a uh maybe just you saying that last sentence was pretentious attempting to impress by a Affecting greater importance, talent, culture than is actually possessed. Ooh. Ooh. And uh, effect there is spelled with an A, of course. Wait uh, a minute. So if you are attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc., and you actually possess that, that's not pretentious? Yeah, because you're not pretending. Yeah, see, the thing is, if Chris Thiele, who, by the way, we just found out is going to be the new host for Prairie Home Companion. Did you know that? Really? Yes, Garrison Keeler is retiring. Wow. Chris Stinking Thiele is going to host Well, he's that a show. great singer. That is such a cool idea. It's such a wonderful idea. Now, is he being pretentious for taking a job like that? No, because I, don't, I think he actually possesses what's required. Now, I don't know about his storytelling abilities, but they might, you know, who knows. No, yeah, I think I was, I was, here's yeah. the deal. If you're in a jam... Let's get back to, um, so we know what pretentious means. So now what's this other word? Show off. That's enough. A person who acts pretentiously or or who publicly parades themselves, their possessions, look at me. Look what I did that you didn't do. Look what I can do that you can't do. That's different than Doc Watson just kicking butt and having fun. And I mean, he's been passionate about his whole life. It's his art. Are all artists show-offs? I don't think that's fair. Well, see, but but there's this... Uh, oh, what did... In screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis called it the gluttony of... Uh, oh, not uh, not when you have excess. Uh, I forget his, his term. Look that up. C.S. Lewis, gluttony of, and see if you find it. But it's when somebody, like, brings you food... And the person says, oh, that's much too much. Take some of that back. Yeah. That's being pretentious. Or, and, and I think it would be pretentious for someone who's been, who enjoys playing a lot of notes. It's just what they do. And they get around a bunch of other people. And they all of a sudden change because there's someone who's actually maybe better at them doing this. And they're like, I don't need to play that many notes to say what I have to say. That's okay. pretentious to me. There you go. So, but I... I have a, f- a, f- a friend. 
<laughs> Be careful. Yeah, I know, I know. And he, she, uh, this friend of mine gets really frustrated in the jam. And um, he says all these people are just showing off and just trying to show that they're better than everybody else. And I, I said to this friend, no, it feels like that to you. But that might be something that you're making up in your head. Because what you're calling too fast is not fast to us who can do it. And we've known each other for 25 years. And I, I'm not going to sit in this jam. And Like when I play with Air and O'Rourke, I, I feel like we have a healthy competition. I feel like we are partners in this competition. He's not my enemy. He helps me be a better player. And hopefully it goes the other way around. I don't know. But um, it's I'm not trying to prove anything to him. I mean, I want him to know that I'm a big boy and I can play in the game too. But if I'm on the field, I'm happy, you know? So, <clears throat> wow, Steve, because we do things that maybe aren't really well thought out on this program, I'm going to go ahead and say what I'm thinking. Oh, no. Why would you care what Aaron O'Rourke is thinking about your playing? And and <laughs> let, let me let me soften yeah, But where that. did you get the idea that I care? Do I care? Well, I well wait, I stop. I want to stop you before you say too much. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I want you to say all you want to. I hate it when people say stuff like I just said. What did you because say? Because I said, why would you care? And people say that. That in itself is pretentious. It's I as always want to say, why as, would you care if I care or not? You know? <laughs> That's right. Because the point is, we do care. And we don't care to the point that we're disabled if we see somebody who has mastered something that we would like to master. But we do care. And we're excited by it, even if we're a little intimidated by it. It's like, you know, you see someone, sometimes you'll see someone who's mastered something that's also your thing, and it looks like magic has just happened. And you wonder if you have that same magic. Do you know that what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you watch it. And it can even, for some players, I think we're on the edge of why some people stop playing is because they see it and they get discouraged. And so that's a mixed up way to be because... You're pretending like you don't care, but you kind of really do care. And I don't know if that's the case with your friend. But it's uh, – anyway, so why would you care? And I'm now – see where I'm coming from. I'm not asking that in a way that's going to make you defensive. So tell me, why would it be cool for you to care what Aaron O'Rourke is doing? Well, because I have a lot of respect for uh, the way he thinks about music and the way he practices and the way he listens and um, I care about what he thinks because he's thinking some really good stuff. So that's. You see the evidence of that in his playing. I think so. Now, doesn't mean he's without fault, but he, there's oh, no. a lot of good stuff, you know. Um, he's got that shirt that says free hugs. But other than that, I really think <laughs> he's got it together. And he's getting married. By the way, we're doing this show, and then it's going to air the same day that we're recording it. And uh, who knows when anybody's listening to this, but Aaron's getting married this week. Congratulations, talked to Aaron, me. if you're listening. He talked to me about an hour and a half ago, maybe two hours ago. And um, Were you trying to talk him out of it? <laughs> no. No, I was. No, I, I, uh, I don't even know that we're allowed to know where they're at. 
So don't say it. But uh, you can probably find it all out on Facebook. But they're going to have fun. It's it's uh, They're eloping, but everyone knows about it. Yeah, you're already saying too much. We should look that word up. Elopement? I think we should stop just having the uh, dulcimer geek definition show. <laughs> anyway, go oh. back. going back to this thing, I want to pull it back to where it was. Cause it's, or do you think, really want to go backwards right now? Not if, not if you're t- done with that conversation. <laughs> no, I don't want to take any place you don't want to go. But let's, let's go ahead and go back. Okay. What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, showing off in jams. I think there are social events, and no matter what the social event, if the social event is a swimming pool party and there's a cool diving board there, you know, the person who, if you're showing off by how big you can splash, that's different from a professional diver showing up and oh, saying, Oh, you're prejudiced I can do against it. the splashers. You're one of those. <laughs> That's right. No, but then if a professional diver shows up and starts saying, well, then let's have a contest on, uh, you know, how many flips you can do, that starts to become showing off. Right. I'll be the professional diver. Hey, Mr. Splasher, you think that's fancy? Why don't you see if you can dive better than this? That's and a I show can, off. And I can have no splash at all. And here's but some scorecards for you to hold up. My point in this is that's kind of uncool at a jam when somebody who is like a pro player does that kind of stuff. Sometimes, though, but then I think if I was standing next to somebody who's got this cool thing that they're doing, I'd kind of like to be standing next to them and see them do it. So, I well, don't know. I think very little actual showing off goes on in most jams. I think it tends to be a very welcoming atmosphere. So the I people who this... think is they're showing off are reacting to something else is what your that's your hypothesis. I read a quote today and it said this this is not necessarily true. You can explain to everyone the fallacy in this, but I like the thought anyway. Um if you run into a jerk this morning, one jerk, that person might be a jerk. But if you notice throughout the whole day that everybody's a jerk, then maybe you're the jerk. But if you tell someone who has that attitude, it's not going to work out for you. Oh, no, it wouldn't. But if you do it in a podcast, it's all going to work out great. That's right, because we're talking about just the general jerk out there. Hey, I know we're about to uh, wrap it up because we're hitting our 30-minute thing. There you go, warning people. We're wrapping it up. I said I shouldn't do that, but I'm doing it. Okay, but I, but I don't want to end it right now, because uh, people heard the podcast from last week if they've listened to these that I did with Butch and Trish and Aaron. But what they don't know is that you actually recorded another one because you weren't sure how it was going to work out. We we didn't want to skip a week. What did you talk about in that? You talked to yourself or something, right? You like held your phone up and just walked around and rambled. What did you say? Yeah, I fell into a well. It was about a forty foot <laughs> well, and while I was down there. Um, I discussed everything that has anything to do with dulcimer. I think that this is a remarkable point in the podcast because we are now breaking intentionally the 30-minute barrier. And um, I'm proud to be a part of that. And I will tell you what I talked to myself about. Um, But I can't remember what it is. What did I talk about? 
Didn't you listen to it? You didn't post it. Yeah, but you listened to a little bit of it. I don't um, think I did. Oh, I did. It was all distorted. That's right. You were too loud. I'll, let me just say this. Now, uh, yeah. You know, I always, I'm between, I'm often between a couple places when I teach. Imagine somebody who's just really, they got a hard life and they're worn out at the end of every day and they're stressed out. I'm not going to sit there and tell that person what to do with a dulcimer, what kind of dulcimer to get. You know, if they've made a decision to buy this dulcimer and play it this way, I am so happy about that. Ooh, this sounds like you're reacting to something. Did something happen to you? Something bad happened to you at Kentucky Music Week? No, 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 no. It's just, it's, no, 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 not at all. It's the, it's the constant thing that I ride between, which is these people are coming to me and they have wishes and dreams and things they're interested in and certain levels of commitment or interest. Um, and then, and so I feel like when I teach, I have to give them a little bit of what they came for and meet them where they're at, you know, at least meet them in the middle. On the other side of things, I do. I'm passionate about telling people how I think they can play better and make more listenable music. So I, a big thing I did this week, I mean, I've been doing it for years, but I thought a lot about it this week. I want people to know that, look, I didn't choose the dulcimer so that I could have a bunch of rules I have to follow, have a bunch of people's expectations I need to follow. I really like the fact that it seems... To really, to me, and this is personally me, the dulcimer speaks about freedom and uh, curiosity and adventure and exploring and figuring out puzzles. And it's um, so when somebody comes to me and they go, Look, I just want to read tablature. I don't have time to get better at, by, at playing by ear. I don't really want to learn how to improvise. I just want to learn how to read a tablature. I don't want to immediately think that that's negative, which I can guarantee you some people, you know, some teachers will think that that's somehow, you know, it's not good for that person. You don't know what's good for that person. So I want to honor somebody and say, man, maybe this really fits into their life. Uh, but at the same time, I want to say, hey, if you're crazy enough to come to a week-long dulcimer event, I got to presume you want me to help you a little bit, you know, um, with some things that maybe you, you wouldn't expect, some ways to get better that you never thought of, to give you a new experience. Would you be crossing a line if you said to them, uh, I don't want to talk you out of that. I, I love everything you just said, by the way. But would you be crossing a line if you said, maybe, maybe there's more that you might be missing, but uh, just you know, maybe you ought to be open to even more stuff. There might be some, some things that you can learn if, if you weren't you know, completely dependent on tablature. Well, I think you can say that with what you do with your actions. So the way I did it this year, um, I've always been real technique heavy in my classes. I mean, there's always tab and music, but so much of what we do is not about what's on the paper. And I don't, you would never catch me just about ever given four tunes out in an hour. It's going to be one or two tops generally. Um, but what I did different this year at Kentucky Music Week is I, um, and I planned this, you know, almost a year ago, I wanted to do more repertoire, more tab a little bit than what I would usually do because I was just trying to find that balance between, look, 
a bunch of these people are here to have fun, and they really would just like a a, a playable arrangement that sounds cool and is fun. And I thought, you know, sometimes I cover too much technique. Let's cut out some of the stuff that maybe isn't the most helpful. And I'm going to instead keep the, the technique teaching that's just really powerful, that gives them, you know, um, a whole lot of advantages with very little work. And I think <laughs> for the first time in maybe 20 years, I retained my class sizes pretty solid all week. I don't know for sure why, but I can tell you that I did more handouts this time, more arrangements. And um, I feel like I did a better job at splitting the difference <laughs> between where I want to go as a player and where they want to go as a player. You know, we're, yeah. we all have different ideas about what we want to do with this thing. Interesting. <clears throat> I did the complete opposite direction of that. That's funny. Uh, I mean, not complete opposite, but uh, the highlight of my week I would have to say as a student, Drew, if you're listening, forgive me for using your name, but a student who he's, he's a professional, lives on the West Coast. He was in the class, and as this was an arranging class, and we, you know, part of arranging is coming up with some things that aren't necessarily the melody sometimes to support, whether it be just a backup or an intro or a break, you know, an interlude or an ending. You know, sometimes you want something else. And a good way to find those sorts of things is to improvise on the melody and improvise on just the things we know how to do, like pentatonic scales or blues scales or whatever. And he just said flat out on Thursday when we were getting to a section where I wanted folks to improvise on those two scales, uh, I almost had a mutiny in the class with the entire <laughs> class, and I'm not going to do that. Not going to happen. And then I finally talked two people into doing it, and we made a real simple background backup for them. And had it was a, it was a, uh, a woman and a man, uh, and they were on opposite sides of the classroom. And I got them to have a conversation, you know, just with the scale, and you know, and then I just gave them some suggestions. And it was a beautiful moment, and uh, we all laughed at the end of it. That that was almost a bit too personal for everybody to listen to. It was very cool. And then at the end of that class, Drew that day said. Uh, maybe if we did this in 3-4, because I'm more used to a kind of a Celtic feel. 6-8, I think is what he meant. <clears throat> I said, okay, we'll start. We'll do, do that the next day. We came back in, and he did some stuff that was really cool. And I noticed, and by the way, this was a beginner, and I noticed that he had very good rhythm, and, and some of the things that I was doing as backup for other people to do solos across, it looked to me like he was getting that pretty well. So he was on a little bitty, just a beginner beginner instrument like the most inexpensive little instrument you could have and I asked him to come over and play mine and start playing some backup and I showed him just quickly the technique that I was using you know with my foot on the damper and doing this backup thing and I was taking it slowly so that I could go to some other people's dulcimers and show them where these things were and all of a sudden he was playing this and realized how well he was doing and he got excited and he sped it up and he sounded exactly like me doing it over on that instrument. And his timing was rock solid. And everybody in the class, you know, jaws dropped and we clapped. And for a moment there, I thought he had been punking me. <laughs> I thought maybe this was a guy who really was like a semi-professional from California and had just been messing with me all week. He said, no, no, it just, it just all clicked all of a sudden. 
and felt really confident. That feels fantastic as a teacher when you see that happen. Well, I'll tell you what. If, uh, if everything goes well, I'll see you in a week. Hey, I got, wait, before we hang up, and I know we've gone too long, what's this thing you're doing where you're playing with hippies and stuff late at night on Mountain Dulcimer? Music from the hearts of space. <laughs> it's very private. <laughs> it's, no, it's uh, Tony Gerber has actually been playing dulcimer for a long time, and he was um, he was involved with this. Yeah, I don't know. Some people call it new age, but I call it space music. I think that's what he called it for a long time. He had a label. Lots of releases. Yeah, because that's much clearer and easier to understand. Gosh, what at it least is. it's not dulcimer Watch music. It. But here's the thing: um, he also he's he's into Native American flutes and and he's he's also got all these electronic toys. He really likes to fuse kind of acoustic folk instruments with electronics and. What's really cool is you might not change a chord for 15 minutes, which I appreciate. You just have to listen to each other. And I was not really change. nice. <laughs> no, I'll tell so you, you what. I've, when I've listened to some music like that before, I've thought, well, that sounds cool, but I don't know if it's going to keep my interest. It's not about keeping your interest so much. It kind of sets a mood. And, um, and I'll, and, it was like going on a journey. So last night was the longest I've ever done that with somebody. It was just a one-hour live performance, and we both did synths and dulcimers, flutes. and uh, See, you've got this theory. I've heard you say this it's before. It's really fun. That, that this, this world of using, you know, using your computer or whatever and everybody kind of, if you have this technology, anybody can start to kind of create and record stuff. I've heard you equate that to folk music before. Well, I I took a class from uh, Professor Alvey, University of Kentucky. I think that was my first F in college, and that was on what is or isn't folk. Uh, so I'm not even qualified to comment on that. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you. You got an F because you didn't turn in the assignment, not because you didn't have a good It was opinion. the first time. I was getting pretty good grades, and I... This guy was like, this is folk, this is not folk. This is folk, this is not folk. And it went on for like three weeks or something. And I think I Can lost you say, it. Tell, how did he define that? Can you say that? <sighs> yeah, but I got an F in the class, so I don't know if I'm right about it. But let me say that, all kidding aside, if you want to hear a little bit of this stuff that I think everybody might really like it's jerry rockwell's last two albums and he just calls it ambient dulcimer and he's he's combining some really tasteful um electronic sounds with these dulcimers that he builds he's got a great microphone he's a precise player i love the tone of his instruments his musicality just blows me away and of all the mountain dulcimer albums i could be listening to over the last year, I've listened to his a lot, and it just helps me relax. But it's not benign relaxing. It's actually pretty cool stuff. So check out jcrmusic.com, jcrmusic.com. And uh, that's probably you know a good introduction to what ambient means.
So, and the dulcimer is being used in there. Yeah, heavily. Yeah. If people wanted to hear the stuff that you did the other night, you had, I don't know, was it last night or the night before last? How could they hear that? I have no idea. Uh, so it's not, it wasn't saved somewhere. I have it on a thumb drive, but I'd have to edit it and, and you know, no, it's no, Tony's show. But you can check out Tony Gerber. For all I know, he posts old shows. Uh, yeah. Oh, and just so you know, they've, uh, that music from the Hearts of Space program that this guy is on, they've actually used some of my music on that too. So I was. Really? Yeah, they have, which is, mine's not even that far out. It's not far out at all, I don't think, but <clears throat> it's cool. I love you, Dan, and I hope that all your dreams come true. Makes me uncomfortable sometimes when you say I love you. Well, that's because you're but... a weak man. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> I don't know. Are you really afraid? Uh, the same guy that tried rollerblades and Signal Mountain is afraid of a little love? That was a very smart. No, no, no. I, you know, I, I, it really doesn't make me uncomfortable. But it's always shocking. That's what it is. It's just something that you're not used to hearing one man say to another. People, uh, unless it's like, you know. But I love, I love you too, dude. I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like hearing that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Let's just keep it this way. I'm gonna tell you I love you, and you just say, "Same here, dude." Yeah, that's. I feel more comfortable. Are you ready? I'm back. gonna do it. I'm gonna make that hand sign. I'm just gonna go back at you. So just imagine my hand. I'm okay. Like, I love you, Dan. Right back at you. 